it is so special to be a part of this fellowship. You know, I, I tried to be organized, and I gave CJ last week a CD with something I wanted on it. Then this morning, in the last minute, I hand him another little thing and say, no, I didn't want that one, I want this one. And he just, in two seconds, put it on the computer and handed it back to me, never a word of complaint or anything like that. Before we started, Laura said, can, can I pray for you? And so Laura took a moment and just prayed peace and anointing for me, and it was such a blessing. Then um, Nick had prepared communion, and he said, you know, we're going to do communion. And I thought, oh, wonderful. But I, I wasn't prepared really to lead it. And, and Bob said, well, you know, I'll lead it. And I just love the way he works together with all of you to, um, to be the body of Christ. And I, it's a real privilege to be standing here this morning. I have a friend, and when someone asks how she is, she always says, I'm blessed and highly favored. <laughs> you know, Frances Hunter from the healing ministry says, I'm blessed, anointed, and speaking the word of God. These people know their identity in Christ, and I find that absolutely awesome. Some of us grew up in churches where we were taught that we were very unworthy, and we've developed quite a high sin consciousness. We feel more comfortable thinking ourselves as worms than we do as the lion or the lamb. And that is the way the Old Testament refers to us, and, and we know those verses by heart. But these were spoken before we, re we were redeemed, before we were regenerated. We were taught um, that that was what humility was, thinking of yourself as nothing. But I want to say no. True humility is knowing who God is in you and who you are in him. Philippians 2 says Christ made himself nothing. He couldn't have done that if he didn't know his real identity. Choosing humble behavior is very different than devaluing who you are in Christ. We are the redeemed of the Lord, the called, the blessed, the overcomer, the victor. And we already have the Holy Spirit of Jesus living in us. God sees us through Jesus' righteousness, not through our own. We are so loved and valued by God that we have been redeemed, bought back from the enemy. Some of you are old enough to remember gold bond stamps and S&H green stamps. That was a redemption program where you were given these stamps when you bought something, but what you did with them is you put them in these booklets, and the booklets got all ragged because it took a long time to get there. And sometimes the pages were crooked, and sometimes they were bent or broken or torn out. But you would bring it into the redemption store, and you would get something of value for it. That's what we have. We have Jesus who went to the cross to give us that something of value, an eternity with him. As Bob spoke so perfectly in... in the worship time, it all begins with that love and that sacrifice to give us what God has always wanted to. My granddaughter puts out a newspaper for our family every week, and it, she didn't know what I was teaching on. She didn't, hadn't really thought about being here this morning, but this is what she wrote. Yeah, where is it? You are beautiful. God made you beautiful. 
God made you who you are, and God doesn't make mistakes. God made you flawless. And I thought, what a precious, precious message to come from my own granddaughter, to get to read that. Some of us women have been studying Graham Cook's book, and he says, Approaching the Heart of Prophecy is the name of it, he says, our assignment in the kingdom is in direct proportion to our identity in the eyes of the Father. That we need to come into agreement with what he says, who the Father says we are. And the first example Graham Cook gives is Moses, who had to come to see himself as a leader of the people so he could do the job God had for him. And God told him in Exodus 7, 1, see, I make you as God to Pharaoh. Now that to us doesn't sound very, it sounds pretty unusual. But Pharaoh had tons of authority. He needed to see Moses as someone who had even more authority. If Moses would have approached him and not had any signs or wonders, he would probably have been turned out of Egypt alone and not been able to do the leading that he was ordained to do. But Moses had to believe God and come into agreement to walk in his new identity. We can't continue to go forward with what we perceive as our own identity. We want to come into agreement with God, what God tells us is our identity. And that identity includes the righteousness of God. It includes being ambassadors for God. It includes the life of Christ, following Christ. It includes the love of God, the unconditional love of God. And it includes the image of God. At the very beginning, Genesis 1.26, God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. We are made in the image of God, and we can't really understand what that is until we look at who God is. And so I made a tape for um, CJ to play for us and I want you to close your eyes and envision who God is because you are made in the image of this God the Father God the Son and God the Holy Spirit God you are love 1 John 4 8 God you are spirit John 4 24 God you are a miracle working God Galatians 3.5 God, you are the establisher of all authority. Romans 13.1 You are the God who raises the dead. 2 Corinthians 1.9 You are the supplier of all our needs. Philippians 4.19 You are the giver of peace, God, that surpasses understanding. Philippians 4.7 God, you are dwelling in us, 2 Corinthians 6, 16. God, you are upholding all things by the word of your power, Hebrews 1, 3. God, you are the author and finisher of our faith, Hebrews 12, 2. 
God, you are never leaving us or forsaking us. Hebrews 13.5 God, you are always leading us in triumph in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2.14 God, you are our strength. Philippians 4.13 God, you are pleased to give us the kingdom. Luke 12.32 God, you are equipping us. Ephesians 4.11 and 12 God, you are our revelation knowledge, 1 Corinthians 2, 10-13. God, you are the giver of the keys to the kingdom, Matthew 16:19. God, you are the giver of signs and wonders to believers, Mark 16, 17 and 18. God, you are giving us the Holy Spirit, Luke 11, 13 and Acts 2, 38 and 39. God, you are anointing us for service, 1 Corinthians 2.20. God, you are filling us with wisdom and spiritual understanding, Ephesians 1.17. God, you are giving us your armor, Ephesians 6.10-18. God, you are faithful to complete the work you began in us, Philippians 1.6. God, you are giving us all things to enjoy, 1 Timothy 6, 17. And God, you are saying, well done, my good and faithful servant, Matthew 25, 21. This is amazing when we think about who God is and that we were created in the image of the Almighty God. Maybe you're thinking today that you don't feel much like you were made in the image of God that you don't feel like you have authority or power. Why not? Because of failures or setbacks, we've all had them. We can all identify with the feelings of pain and loss and disappointment that stem from a failure or a setback. While failures and setbacks may be a part of life that we would like to avoid but probably won't, they do hold valuable lessons if we learn how to hold them properly. For everyone, life is full of surprises and the unforeseen curves of the road. And each one of us has the potential to either reinforce an enemy stronghold in our life or to use what's happening to get free from it and use it as a building block to our success. The determining factor is how you respond to the problems as they come. One of the hardest lessons to learn is how to constructively handle what appears to be a failure or a setback. Learning to walk on water doesn't start with great faith. It starts with an identity, a, a knowledge of your correct identity. You do what, you're what you believe. Your belief system um, is intimately connected to your identity. In other words, the identity you hold gives rise to the belief system which manifests through your thought and actions. And Satan knows the importance of identity, so he targets it. He's in there trying to take your setbacks and your failures and create false belief systems in your mind by whispering things. You'll never do that. You're not as good as other people. Uh, you'll never amount to much. These are lying whispers that come from the enemy, not from the heart of God. And they aren't truth, even though we might believe them and act on them as truth. 
In difficult moments, we have a choice. Are we going to continue to walk in our God-given identity and continue to seek after his promises for us? Or are we going to allow our experiences and our circumstances and our feelings to paint a negative identity for us? Negative strongholds and false identities are created when we elevate our experience above the promises of God found in Scripture. When we experience failures or setbacks, our response has to be, I, I've fallen prey to this sin or I've, been, I've fallen prey to someone else's sin. But according to Scripture, my new nature is that I am not a sinner and I am an overcomer. I may be experiencing lack today, but according to scripture, because of my position in Christ, all of my needs will be met. I'm not suggesting that you deny your experiences, but I'm suggesting that you don't draw your identity from them. Make a differentiation. The truth is, no matter what has happened to you, you are victorious in Christ. Uh, CJ's going to play a section that says, Who I Am in Christ. I am loved by God, John 3, 16. I am forgiven, Colossians 1, 14. I am saved by grace through faith, Ephesians 2, 8. I am a child of God, Romans 8, 16. I am delivered from the powers of darkness, Colossians 1.13. I am redeemed from the hands of the enemy, Psalm 107.2. I am called with a holy calling, 2 Timothy 1.9. I am created in the image of God, Genesis 1.26, Romans 8.29. I am not of this world, John 17.16. I am healed by his stripes, 1 Peter 2.24. I am given perfect love to cast out fear, 1 John 4.18. I am free from the law of sin and death, Romans 8.2. I am an heir of eternal life in the Son, 1 John 5.11 and 12. I am blessed with all spiritual blessings, Ephesians 1.3. I am God's workmanship, Ephesians 2.10. I am in right standing with God, 2 Corinthians 5.21. I am freed by His truth, John 8.32 and 36. I am a daughter of God. Galatians 3.26 I am a laborer together with God, 1 Corinthians 3.9 I am one who has the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16 I am a temple of the Holy Spirit, 1 Corinthians 3.16 I am a partaker of His divine nature, 2 Peter 1.4 I am complete in Him, Colossians 2.10 I am the possessor of powerful spiritual weapons, 2 Corinthians 10.4 I am reigning in life, 
Romans 5.17 I am a king and a priest, Revelation 1.6 I am doing all things through Christ, Philippians 4.13 I am more than a conqueror, Romans 8.37 I am one who has authority over the enemy, Luke 10.19 I am not one who is condemned. Romans 8 1. This is the truth of who I am. This is my identity. I am not who I think I am. I am not who I feel like I am. I am not who you say I am. I am who God says I am. I am not what I do. I am not the role I have in my family. I am not who others have said I am. I am who God says I am. When you hear things like this, certain of the passages jump out at you. And often that's, that's where God has you right now. I don't think we just get our identity and then we have it complete. I think until we're face to face with God, God shows us more and more of him and gives us more and more freedom. So it's kind of a lifelong process of growing into who he would have us be. Um, and because of these, this identity, because of the truth of the word of God, this is what we use when the lies come at us or when the enemy is nagging at us or when we're not at that place of victory. Some of them you might have heard and you thought, I'm not there yet. Then you're speaking the truth of the word of God in faith. You're speaking out the substance of what you hope for, the evidence of what your eyes don't see, and that's powerful talk. It, this is how you become unstuck from past failures, from, present, uh, from experiences that aren't going well, from small thinking, from passivity, from being lukewarm, and from fear. God's word is powerful to bring about what he says. We're going to go into communion now and Commune as, as a person with a fresh new identity. We are all new creations in Christ, leaving the old behind, extending our hand towards what he has for us. And it's good because we are the beloved of Jesus Christ.